sorry, I can't talk. <laughs> I can't make that sound and talk. But shout out to Walking Dead Zombies and any uh, producers and uh, showrunners of The Walking Dead or Fear of the Walking Dead that may be listening in on the Spun Today podcast, episode number 34. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. That is my zombie voice, ladies and gentlemen. My uh, fiance likes it because uh, she loves the show. I've seen the show every once in a blue with her. Uh, not a big fan, but it's a good show. I uh, just uh, never really got into it. And don't feel like putting in the work to, you know, watch the whole thing and, like, really invest myself. It's one of those, it seems like one of those shows that you got to, like, really be into. Um, like Game of Thrones and, like, shit like that, which is another one that I I can never get on board. But, yeah, that's my zombie voice. People like it. And uh, I'll definitely be on the show if anybody uh, within that realm uh, needs some extra zombie sounds that I'm pretty sure they could just fucking press a button for and have unlimited versions of, but whatever. Uh, Like I said, folks, welcome to episode number 34 of the Spunt Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. Today is November 18th, and the podcast comes out tomorrow. I procrastinated my ass off uh, these past two weeks and left the podcast for the evening before. It's fucking like almost 10 p.m., and I had a really long day at work, and um, yeah, that's why I'm recording it now. So uh, let me just give you guys a quick little rundown of what this show is going to be or have. It's going to contain, but not limited to, uh, UFC 193, Rousey vs. Home. I'm going to speak about that. I'm going to speak about going to see my favorite basketball player, greatest of all time, Kobe Bryant. Uh, I wanted to see him before he retired. Uh, watching a new show on Netflix called Master of None. It's Aziz Ansari's new show. And uh, also watching a miniseries that's on HBO called Show Me a Hero, which was dope. And watching the movie End of the Tour. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Going to see the hilarious and prolific Bill Burr, the comedian, for those of you that have been living on The Rock. And uh, I'm going to read a couple uh, couple dope, um, I don't even know what they're called, verses, pieces uh, from the Tao Te Ching that uh, I've read recently. Um, just like in the past episode, I read a couple of them. There's a couple more that I read uh, subsequent to that that I wanted to share with you guys. And, of course, a couple of my shitty writing pieces from spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. Two posts. And I'm going to round up the show with a listener questionnaire that was filled out. That yeah, was really good. Just finished reading it uh, again in preparation for the show. And I'm going to share that with you guys in a bit. So, taking it back to the top. UFC 193, holy fuck, man. What an upset. For those of you that don't know, Ronda Rousey, the woman's uh, bantamweight, if I'm not mistaken, uh, woman's champion, uh, undefeated. I think she had a, she had an 11-0 record, uh, was going up against, and just to give you guys a, a little bit of context again, if you guys have been living on the rock and don't know who Ronda Rousey is, she's the... Uh, known as the Mike Tyson of the UFC um, for the women's division. Um, Like, she literally had, I don't know, like, five or six fights in a row that didn't last more than, like, cumulative more than, like, a minute and a half. 
uh, each one was like 10 seconds 30 seconds 50 seconds like shit like that um she's a beast and uh she was facing her you know biz- biggest competitor to date you know every fight they play it up that way you know this one might be the one to take out the champ uh, especially when you have an undefeated champ um and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but Holly Holm, which was her opponent and the challenger, uh, definitely, definitely fit that that description. She has a different style. She she has uh, multiple world boxing um, records and uh, like medals and and like world championships in, in boxing and kickboxing, and it's a completely different style to Ronda's. Uh, which is more of a of a of a grappling judo uh, type of style that she has. So she has to like get in there, you know, flip you, fucking armbar you, and rip your arm off. And which is how she she won most of her fights. Um, but she's a beast, you know. She's won fights just by like boxing and and pounding out opponents and shit like that. And um, um, so she has that style. And Holly Holm has the you know keep the distance and you know box and kickbox. And fuck you up that way style. Holly Holm was also undefeated, so uh, it was a pretty dope, dope matchup stylistically. Then on top of that, um, Ronda's usually she, her opponents, yeah, like get under her skin and like talk shit about her, or not get under her skin. Um, that's framing it a, a little uh, incorrectly. They like attempt to get under her skin and they say like negative and fucked up shit like. Uh, her previous uh, opponent, uh, Betch Correa, um, made l- not light, but like made kind of like made fun of the fact that Ronda Rousey's father committed suicide, and said that she should kill herself also, or something like that. And um, Ronda Rousey like just pummeled her, like within seconds, knocked her the fuck out, and. Um, She's usually like the composed one, uh, Ronda Rousey, and you know, like a uh, um, the composed one basically. And this time it was like the other way around. The opponent Holly Holm, who's known as the I think her like nickname is the Preacher's Daughter or something like that, is completely stoic and like super like sweet, nice uh, person. Uh, she seems like, and that's what she puts out. According to Ronda, she she's a fake bitch or <laughs> or whatever, and I don't know. I guess part of what was within the mix of I guess uh, Ronda losing, in my opinion, is the fact that you know she had that different like psychological makeup than any of her previous opponents. Her previous opponents were talking shit, you know, saying I'm gonna take you out, I'm gonna take that belt from you, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna take away that O, and um. Ali was a complete opposite, you know, like respectful and like even in the weigh-ins, for example, like the day before the fight, they weigh in uh, to make sure that they, they make weight and, you know, um, have a, a face off uh, for the fans and, and promotion cameras and shit like that, the media. And um, they in the weigh-ins, she uh, was completely stoic and just standing there. And Ronda Rousey was the one that like got in her face and and kind of um, like not punched her but like mushed her kind of. Um, I saw it from a, the other angle, uh, from the angle that everybody saw. It 
it just seemed like Ronda for no reason, you know, lifted up her, her left arm and came around and just like pushed in her face or whatever. Um, but when you see it from the other angle, from the opposite angle that, that everybody can see and somebody like filmed it like on their cell phone and somebody else that was on stage and you see when Holly Holm put her hand up, she kind of like, like gets in between or like grazes Rhonda's hand, you know, cause they're both like standing up with like fists in the air. And I guess that triggered, like she, she made the first like contact in that sense. It didn't seem like in a disrespectful way. Uh, if I had to guess, but you know, who knows? It could have been intentional, and if that, and that's obviously how Ronda took it, because then Ronda just came around and like mushed her and like pushed her, and then from the other vantage point, it just seemed that Ronda did it for no reason, because from the angle that they were standing in, you couldn't see Holly Holmes' hand like come up and like touch Ronda's. Um, so that was interesting, but whatever. Just like her, her composure w- was off. It was different. I also noticed her, her mom, which is, uh, you know, her biggest, uh, I guess. Um, uh, I don't know, like inspiration and coach, and is always in in her corner, and she herself was a, like an Olympic judo champion or something like that. Her mom, and um, she wasn't in her corner uh, for that fight, and supposedly the just some riff going on within uh, that, and some issues with her coach that people have been criticizing lately, um, and. I don't know, just, like, her composure was off. Certain things were different like that, I guess, like, on the psychological tip, like, those uh, handful of things. And then um, she came out in this fight more aggressively than normal. Um, like, she was the one charging and coming after the Holly home, even though she has a couple times in the past, like, done that, but she kind of, like, feels it out first. And then um, sometimes, like, her opponents are just, like, try to, like, bum rush her, and she just flips them and uses like that like leverage against them and fucks them up and this time she was the one she was the aggressor and holly home was more of the counter puncher and counter striker and it fucking worked and you know congrats to to holly and um uh, it just fucking sucks uh for Rhonda. like if you know i heard on a few podcasts and i agree like i really l- admire and like seeing greatness and not that you know Ronda's not great anymore because she lost one or the Holly Holmes not great and now we're witnessing like her rise to greatness because you know she's 11 on and and she's a new champion and she's undefeated but um I don't know like part of you like doesn't want to see that happen but you also want to see the best of the best um win and rise to the top and I'm definitely anxious already to see it, like uh, uh, a rematch. Um, and another thing that factors in is Ronda Rousey being in all these fucking movies and shit like that, and you know her, I guess, attention being taken away a little bit from from training and fighting and stuff like that. Um, that has to factor in on some level. And um, yeah, it just fucking sucks. I mean, can't make excuses for it because everybody makes their own decisions and gets into whatever it is that they want to get into. And in this case, you know, uh, it was a perfect storm of, of shit. It turned out to be uh, that particular night for her. But I would definitely love to see a rematch and see and see what the deal is. You know, see how she rises um, after getting knocked down like that, and shows that true champion edge and um, uh, overcoming adversity and all that is going to be like an interesting story and and chapter in her 
uh, fighting career to watch. And she was she was the real deal, you know, like real. Uh, champions are made of what? You have a combination of talent, uh, hard work, and opportunity. I guess I would say, and any combination thereof. You can either be talented as fuck, but if you don't work hard, if you don't, if you don't, you know put yourself in positions to open up the the right opportunities then you you kind of fall into the sunny from a bronx tale um uh anecdote of of wasted talent right so you have talent and then you have uh hard work which hard work alone uh you could just be a very hard working ditch digger um you know not opening opportunities for yourself on one hand, and then not having the talent to, um, you know, let's say, this uh, this analogy has been made uh, before, um, two fighters that, you know, equally, work equally as hard, and one of them had just has, like, natural talent and ability, like uh, John Jones or something like that, which is known for being physically fucking just uh, gifted. Um, no matter how hard you work, um, you're not going to be on equal footing with him because he has that, that talent edge on you and that gift kind of edge on you. Um, so you have that hard work aspect and then you have the opportunity aspect where, you know, being being uh, like in Ronda's case, I, uh, I see you as like the right fighter at the right time in the story of the UFC and and just like society in general and being ready to see a woman champion like that and if it was someone she has like that it factor to capitalize on that on that opportunity and if it was somebody maybe like Ali Holm now then you know not take anything away from her but she kind of just has like that stoic kind of um not going to give like the media what they want type of personality I guess you can say and um who knows if she was the champion all, the, all this time how much the women's division within the UFC and the UFC would have blown up in in general. Um, so Ronda was the right person at the right time kind of to capitalize on that uh, specific opportunity. And just like there's a balance within those three things, I think, f- to create uh, greatness. And it has to come together in the way it did and has for for her and it's something that that you know aside from the talent the other two can be worked towards and worked on and like i said it's it's going to be interesting to see how she bounces back from that and that was ufc 193 and speaking of uh the fall of one of the greats i hate to say it but kobe bryant is not a shocker but is in the final stages of his career um, I'm very happy that uh, I took one of my boys' advice. Uh, shout out to Pablo, who I had a conversation with him once long ago, and we were just speaking about gen- basketball in general, and you know, just having one of those who's better Kobe, Kobe or Michael Jordan conversations. And of course, I say Kobe because I'm completely 1,000% biased towards him, um, even though you know stats and shit um, probably say otherwise, and. Um, he asked me if I ever got to see him play live, and uh, I said no. He told me that I should before I can't anymore, you know. 
and I kind of never like thought of it like that, I guess. I never thought of it enough to factor that in like, oh shit, you know, it's going to be a day that he's not playing and I won't have that opportunity. So I made it a point to make sure that I went uh, this year, uh, being that um, I think it's his last year on his contract and the way he started off the season was just like, yeah, he's definitely retiring this year. And um, it was a, a dope experience. I went with my fiance and who just made some banging tacos, by the way. Wifey hooked it up. Shits were banging on full right now. Um, but yeah, we went to Barclay Center when the Lakers came to play uh, the Nets. And I hadn't been to Barclay Center. Um, so that was cool just to see just to see it. And um, our seats were fucking dog shit. But uh, it, we were like literally, <laughs> she was scared. <laughs> we were the last final seat like on top like the nosebleeds of the nosebleeds like literally there was no seats behind us and our heads were touching the wall of the the actual structure of the stadium um but it was a really cool experience to see and uh in that game uh, it was uh if you guys remember the both the nets um which also suck and the lakers were both um hadn't won a game i was gonna say undefeated but it's like the exact opposite of undefeated they were completely defeated, both teams. So one of them was going to come away with the win. And it was actually the Lakers that came away with it, which was dope. And um, Kobe, Kobe didn't have a particularly impressive game, but he did have one moment in the fourth quarter, which we left right before it. So I was, like, uh, kicking myself for that. Or right, like, when the fourth quarter started. Um, but I saw it afterwards, like, on the in the Uber on the way home. I was, like, looking up uh, the score and the, and the highlights. And Kobe had one of those uh, reverse layup, um, like from coming up from the from the sideline, of kind of like behind the basket type of thing. Um, that's like classic Kobe. He had one of those moves, which is uh, dope to see, and dope that it happened in that night. Um, well, it would have been doper to see if I was still there, but um, it, was, it was dope that it happened in that night anyway. And I took my camera with me and got a lot of dope pictures. Um, which uh, probably I haven't even uploaded them to my computer to be honest I still have them in the camera um, but I'll probably share them like either on Twitter or Inst- Instagram or something like that uh, with you guys so you can check those out let me jot that shit down so I don't forget add Kobe picks to IG um at Spun Today on Twitter and at Spun Today on Instagram. Uh, look out for those. And uh, that was pretty much it. It was pretty, it was pretty dope. Uh, pretty cool. And I'm definitely glad that I checked that off the, the old bucket list. Kobe was was one of... There were, I want to say, definitely two, um, but three what I consider greats that I called that... You know, in hindsight, of you know, people are probably like, no, duh, no shit. Um, but when I was in junior high, I was in seventh grade. Kobe was instantly my my favorite player when he got drafted in 96, 97. And I knew that he was a great, which listening now might not seem like it's a, like it's a, a big deal or whatever because it was like so much hype. Uh, around him, you know, being an eight-year-old into into the NBA and stuff like that. But 
don't get it twisted though there was there was a bunch of people like that there were there were a lot of, a lot of successors to to Jordan there were a lot of oh he's going to be the next Jordans um and Kobe was just one one of those people on that list and there was a lot of naysayers and a lot of people that would say otherwise are always going to remember uh, someone told me at the time uh oh yeah but you know he's good now but if he breaks his ankle next season or something like that then his career's over and he's not gonna do shit or whatever and you know there was like who else like kevin garnett at, at the time went into the the league early um um tracy mcgrady uh who kobe if i'm not mistaken said that tracy mcgrady one-on-one is what's his biggest uh competition in basketball uh iverson fucking eddie jones was still on the lakers and he he was like one of those you know could be the next jordan type of dudes um uh who else uh who's the what they would there was a dude that they called baby jordan um harold minor if i'm not mistaken you had him tim hardaway you, you, you he, there was like a company of these people that could be like that next dude you know it wasn't just like Everybody's a fucking scrub, and, you know, this 18-year-old phenom comes into the league, and it was like, duh, you know, it's easy to call. Um, but definitely instantly, I uh, jumped on board. I've been a, a Laker fan and a Kobe fan ever since because um, I'm a fucking loyal dude like that, you know what I mean? And um, I literally wrote down a sticky and put it on the computer to say, not say ums and not say and uh, this episode so i'm trying to consciously cut back on that and every time i say um and and i fucking look at the little sticky and i'm still saying it a lot but whatever it's a work in progress um there's another one <laughs> yeah so i called him that was one and the uh, another one that i called um unrelated genre or whatever was eminem and that was another one that, uh, you know, when he, we burst out on the scene with the Hi, My Name Is or whatever song, um, it was, you know, there were some that were like a one-hit wonder. There were some that, that, that were definitely like bandwagon type, oh, this is the shit, like type of fans. But I saw, and I'm not like blowing smoke up my own ass or whatever, but it, there was something that I saw in him that was like, he's definitely going to be one of the greats, like greats, greats, like that's going to transcend this, this like mainstream shit, which he absolutely did. And I'll get much more into Eminem in uh, future episodes that I have planned of breaking down his albums and stuff like that. And his, his writing, um, that I started working on already, but I want to put, um, the attention that it deserves, uh, into, into that. And so that's going to take some time. So I'm not going to tell you guys like a date or anything like that or or make any promises on a specific timeline. But it was Kobe, Eminem, and um, those are 100% two that I called from the from the gate I called. And another one, which wouldn't be technically from the gate, but, and I'm 100% biased uh, towards as well, uh, would be... Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Like when I heard it instantly, I was like, "This is gonna be an amazing experience." If you pardon the pun, and it's going to be something that's gonna continue. Like I, 
I've told the story before, but the first episode I heard was like 180 something or something like that. And it was with Ari Shafir. And I was like instantly enamored with the, and it was the first podcast that I had ever heard. And I was just like enamored with the, with the medium itself. Uh, but most importantly with like their like outlooks on things, uh, both Joe's and, and Ari's and the way they express themselves and just like the free flowing ideas and conversation and shit like that. And, and it was already, you know, he was already big as fuck at that time um within that uh that world but it's just continued to 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 build momentum and it is is like a huge fucking like movement now um and so that one's i don't want to take credit for calling that one because it was already like more than um like a quarter into what it is the what is it now like episode 700 and something i picked up on it and vouched for it in 180 something so whatever that's worth but the other two eminem and kobe i call them shits and that's it uh regarding the whole kobe thing this is gonna be a long fucking episode it's almost half hour already and the next thing is aziz ansari has a new show on netflix called master of none i highly recommend it i saw it with my girl and it was really really funny uh I, I love that that netflix just puts out like an entire fucking season like a one shot like that binge watching thing that they that they uh that market that they cornered was such a great idea and really cool especially with how how much like content is out there now and people um just want it and they want it right away and they want to be able to to get through it so that they can jump onto something else to watch or to read or to listen to. And, and it's just a smart move on Netflix part. So kudos to them. But Aziz Ansari, who's, um, I've seen a, a probably, I, I don't know how many specials he has, but I've seen like more than one or two. And watch him only have one. <laughs> but no, nah, but I've seen, yeah, he definitely has more than, more than two. And I've seen them all. He's a really funny stand-up comic, for those of you that don't know. Which I'm sure everybody in the fucking world knows. Um, he also played uh, MSG. And he's funny as hell. My, my girl really likes him also. Hands off, Aziz. And um, and the the show was just fucking spectacular. One of the, the funniest... Um, or not funniest but one of the aspects of the show that i like the most because i like fucking weird shit is the fact that he expresses and says like out loud like within the show and not just him but just it's like part of the like the tone i guess of the show if that's the right word um that shit that people think when they interact with each other that they don't say that you know none, none of us say to each other they say and it's part of their actual dialogue and it's really like interesting to see it's like yeah i would think that exact same fucking shit and um but i would never say it and not not just like negative or like fucked up shit or um like ballsy stuff but uh just like in awkward situations like for example there's this one scene where he's debating with two of his friends if he should if he should um ask the bartender that he thinks is cute out on a date and they finally convince him to do it and he goes up to her 
and he does it he asks for the number and uh, invites her out and she agrees and she gives him the number and then he's you know he went up to her which was behind the bar and you know he's um sitting with his friends at a different table so picture that that setting and um after she gives him the number then he's like just standing there and then he says what anybody in that position would be thinking i think and he just expresses it to her and he's like well i guess this interaction's over then and uh she says yeah and then he's like all right bye and then turns around and walks away so that's something that's like riddled throughout the entire show and um aside from being funny as hell because he was a funny dude um and just dealing with like real life moments and stuff like that um um and real life uh, situations especially he's like within my age group so there's a lot that, that resonates with me also from from uh from watching the show and it's really cool and just like dealing with technology and like texting and, and i know he's like I don't know if the right word is an advocate, but he feels strongly about the fact that we like lose ourselves within our phones and we text a lot as opposed to speaking to each other and stuff like that. And that there's something being lost there and how things were versus how they are now. Um, so you get a bunch of that uh, real throughout the show, but you know, also, you know, being of our age, age group, we embrace that, but we are also within the cusp of, of the generation that remembers, you know, pre-internet and pre-cell phones and shit like that, and um, uh, that's pretty cool. And we're really gonna—we're we're the last generation that—that's—that's that's like that because any anybody born like thereafter is like they're born into the internet and fucking pop out of pussies with fucking tablets in their hands and shit. Um, and what else? Oh, something super dope that he did he his real actual parents are his real actual parents on the on the tv show and his parents are two uh immigrants that migrated from india and they um he's had them on when he had his uh, special at msg he brought them out at the end um which must have been like amazing for him to to be able to do i know i would love to do something like that and just show, just bring out your parents that are, you know, from a, th- a different country and um, migrated here. And then to show them you at, like, one of the biggest moments and pinnacles of your success so they can, like, enjoy it with you and be proud of you and um, uh, share that moment with them uh, must have been, like, amazing. He brought them out into stage, but you know what? Well, I think MSG holds like eighteen thousand people or something like that. It must have blew their fucking minds. Um. Anyway, his real parents, um, which I recognize from that, are his actual parents on the show. So they're like horrible actors. <laughs> they have no acting experience, but it's just dope that he has like that much pull, um, to say, and to put um the creators of the show or Netflix or whoever in the position of oh you guys want me to be in a show well my parents are going to be my parents on the show and it must be cool for him to be able to work with them and and just again dope to be able to have that that pull and um cool for them must be like a dope experience for them and that is masters of none aziz ansari's new show on netflix another show that i saw that i, I got into i remember i bumped into this show 
on i thought it was a movie and it was a couple months ago i was scrolling it was late night couldn't sleep it was probably like like midnight or something like that and i wound up watching it and then it ended like without the story ending and then i realized that it was um there was another one so i I thought it was just like a like a two-part movie or something like that and i i got into it right away because uh it's called um show me a hero um because it was about uh, local politics and i like that type of shit and the the protagonist of the movie was a guy that i mentioned to you guys when i went to india the first time it's probably in india part one or india part two um from my first trip to india when uh, one of the movies i saw on the plane was with uh, was called uh, a most violent year and i said the protagonist from that which reminded me of the guy that played um uh in bull rock empire i forget his fucking name uh lucky luciano from boardwalk he reminds me of him but it's not him and he reminds me of him and he was a dope actor i really liked him in that movie then i saw him playing in this so that also um called my attention to it so then i saw like an episode and a half and then i read it off as being you know a two-part movie and then uh, i kind of forgot about it and then my brother told me about it like a couple months later he was like oh you should watch this this uh miniseries on hbo which is pretty good he told me and i was like oh shit it's a miniseries and um then i remembered that i'd seen it and shit like that but then i pretty much i picked up where i left off and continued watching it and i saw i saw like two more episodes it's a it's a six part uh miniseries and then i saw two more episodes on like a day off that i had from work and then i finished it off like a couple weeks ago on another day off that i had and it's about it's the the youngest mayor the youngest big city mayor in america um he was the mayor of yonkers and it's based on the true story of his life and spoiler alert by the way if anybody who hasn't seen it he he's a one-time like one-term mayor uh he was in the city council before that and it's uh you know it's based on true story so it's kind of like biographical kind of and um he gets he loses uh because it's when at a time i forget the time period but i want to say maybe 70s maybe 70s 80s probably 80s when yonkers which was like an all-white neighborhood at the time and they were going to have a uh, public housing built and uh there was going to be some some like gentrifying uh i guess would be the correct term and you know it's going to be different races moving into the neighborhood and you know there was uh, opposition uh, from uh, the current residents, some of the current residents, uh, which are racist as fuck, and um, um, it was pretty interesting to see the the progression of that uh, town in that area um, through that time, and um, because he and, and all the like political and just uh, bureaucratic like stuff that goes on behind the scenes, aside from the public, that kind of like and legal um aspects to it uh, with like courts getting involved and like shit like that um that push certain things through uh to make things happen it's interesting to see like all the different pieces of the puzzle that come into play um with with um you know big issues like that you know it's not just about you know who the people vote in and vote out and stuff like that 
but they people that get voted in and voted out kind of are a little bit like riffraff in a sense you know they go they get caught like in the crosshairs of whatever's going on whether it's something that's bigger than them or not this was something that was uh bigger than him it was going to happen regardless he was actually for it um he saw it as a as a long term as a good thing um um but at first he was kind of like against it he was kind of like a like a uh like most politicians kind of you know stick your finger in there and see which way the wind's blowing type of thing but then like at some point he uh became really for it and like an advocate for it and and it got and you know you could say it's because he knew that he had no fucking choice anyway that it was going to go through whether he liked it or not um or you know the way they depicted it in the the miniseries that he kind of had like a change of heart and like really felt like it, it was a good thing for the neighborhood as some of the the tenants uh not tenants some of the the people uh, current residents had changes of heart and realized that it was a good thing and they don't have to be afraid of different races and and racist and like shit like that um and like the story is pretty much about him and then he winds up getting voted out of office because of the whole housing issue because he voted for it and obviously his his uh opponents that ran against him you know made light of that everybody voted for his opponent because of it because his opponent said that he wouldn't let it let the housing get built and of course you know he couldn't do dick about it either he was just a foolish politician and telling the people what they wanted to hear um so he got voted out and then uh throughout the rest of the mini the miniseries uh, which is cool because it, it it shows the different like a handful of different families um on both sides like on the white side with residents that lived in within yonkers then there's um on the black side and hispanic side people that lived in different projects and it shows like different families and the girl that gets knocked up at an early age and whose boyfriend um is in and out of jail and then she just keeps getting like pregnant from him and she's in love with him and but he's just like fucking a retard and like fucking her and getting her pregnant on purpose and like putting holes in the condom and and um stuff like that because in his mind he he feels love if she's you know giving birth to his seed if not then she doesn't love him and she, you know j just like different than you have like um a really hard-working like spanish mother that is ra trying to raise like three kids she's from the uh, dominican republic and then she has to send the kids to dr because she doesn't have money to feed them and she sends them to like her mom and then she tries to go back to dr but then she can't make it there because there's no like future for her kids so she comes back and she lives in the projects and she's working and trying to make ends meet and then she you know wins her kids back and um yeah the story of like that family and then like a bunch of different families like throughout the thing so it's pretty it's pretty dope for like from that sense also and then you know you know have the whole um all the political shit going on which i, I always find interesting and even like on, on a municipal level like that probably even more interesting at, at that level i think and because it feels like more there right it feels like more um you could walk over to your fucking assemblyman or city council's office and actually fucking speak to them they're more like accessible it's more you could see like immediate not immediate because fucking bureaucracy and and uh bullshit politics exists like on every level but you can see changes to 
things that are actually changed. You know what I mean? Like it's not like a like a change at the federal level is kind of like shifting of the ship, you know, a degree or two to the right that you kind of see implications of an Im- impacts of whatever that change is like years on the line. But at a, on a municipal level, it's like uh, it's like fucking turning a like a speedboat around or whatever. Fucking change shit left and right. Um, or you could see it more more frequently, I guess, is what I'm looking for. But anyway, long story short, he gets voted out of mayor. He's depressed and fucking um, the next uh, the next election after that decides to to throw his hat back in the race um, and not for mayor because um, he's doing it for the party. You know, he mentions that he wants to do it. He thinks he could win again. He does have some sort of uh, support behind him. Uh, but then the guy who's poised to run at that time tells him, you know, to unify behind him. And then, you know, he'll give him a, a position within his cabinet. And then, um, you know, he's full of shit, obviously. And um, um, he goes with it for whatever reason. And he thinks it's a good thing. And then, um, uh, but he kind of like hedges his bet a little bit. And he runs for, decides to run for city council and barely, barely, barely wins. And he runs for city council in the seat that he had, he was city council of beforehand. Um, and he barely gets in. So he's like down on himself and he's like, he almost lost the seat that was his fucking before he was mayor. So it was like, what the fuck? Um, should have been like a shoo for that. And, um, then he tries to run for mayor after that and loses and so obviously he loses. He vacates his city council seat, and then he tries to. He just starts scrambling. He wants to run for something. Then he runs for something. Um, I think for what was it? Did he run for mayor again and lose, or he ran for like assembly and he lost that? Yeah, I think that's what it was. And he lost that, and then he ran against his like best friend, which was a chick that was like the president of something of of the borough president maybe or something like that. Or city council president. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was city council. And he went back to the city council, a different district, and tried to run against his best friend, like turned his back on her. And it was like, what the fuck? Just like burning bridges left and right like a dick. And um, just political suicide. And, um, you know, everybody turned his back on him. He felt like shit. Uh, wasn't accomplished more. He felt into depression and wound up putting a gun in his mouth and fucking killing himself. Um, and it was an interesting interesting life to to like see interesting story um to kind of not witness because we're fucking there but like i said it's based on a true story so it's 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 pretty dope i recommend it it's called show me a hero and speaking of suicide it's fucking the suicide podcast over here I saw a movie that my brother also put me onto this, which was End of the Tour um, movie. And this was a, a, a drama biography, which is based on the true story of a writer and journalist called David Lipsky, who was interviewing the author David Foster Wallace of Rolling Stone magazine. And... Those of you that want an idea of who David Foster Wallace was, take a look at a commencement speech that was really dope called This Is Water. Um, it's on YouTube. 
there's a link in the episode notes. Uh, if you guys wanna wanna check it out now, you you know go ahead and come back to the podcast after. But it's a really really dope uh, commencement speech that I recommend. It's uh, one of the really good ones. So check that out, and it'll give you an idea of who he was. But he was like this big shit writer uh, that like blew up out of left field, and all within the realm of writing, it was like. Uh, they were writing about him like all the, all the awards uh, for best writer of the year and stuff like that for the next X amount of years are already going to be taken by this guy because of this book that he wrote called Infinite Jest. And he was just like one of those um, like most writers, like introverted, weird dudes that like lived by himself with two dogs. and And it was the the writer and journalist for Rolling Stone magazine, David Lipsky, which um, decided to uh, go on a book tour with this guy. This guy was on a book tour. He decided to like hitch a ride with him, basically, and interview him and write a piece for Rolling Stone. And it shows like their their relationship and them playing, you know, mental chess with each other for most of most of the time, but uh, really taking a liking to each other. And then hating each other and then liking each other again. And uh, David Lipsky kind of, like, resenting him in in, in a sense because he didn't feel that he could be, like, as good of a writer as he, as uh, David Foster Wallace was. But he wanted to be. And he, David Foster Wallace kind of, like, kind of, like, like, he tells him at the end, he he tells him, you don't want to be me. And he kind of says it, like, in a, in a weird, sincere kind of way like not i this is how i took it i didn't take it as like a condescending way but it was kind of like a like a acknowledging like yeah you're not going to be as good as me but trust me you don't want to be me because it, it takes like a certain level of fuck upness to be this good at what i'm doing or something like that like it was that kind of i don't know like genuine non-cockiness but acceptance of how talented or how much talent shone through in the work that he put out in that particular work um and he also is this is like based on a true story um like i said it's by a, gra- by a drama biography um david foster wallace also fucking killed himself and um that fucking sucks um because just from like if you guys again check out that this is water check out the movie the movie's dope um but if you want something uh quick and now um check out this is water on youtube uh by david foster wallace it's a dope commencement speech with some like really good advice and aside from that i went to see bill burr the amazing fucking hilarious bill burr at madison square garden he rounded off his countrywide tour at madison square garden it was the final night of his tour and um those of you that again have been living under a rock uh bill burr is super hilarious a comics comic he is one of the greats already he is like i told a co-worker of mine that was like oh shit bill burr i, I saw him you know fucking a couple years ago not a couple years ago he, he told me it was like 10 years ago he saw him 
and it was like at some bar or something like that but he's been like one of those he was like oh he's that big playing msg and uh just to give you guys an idea like he played msg not the theater he played msg the garden like eighteen thousand fucking person arena um i think fifteen thousand when when you play a concert oh no i think it is eighteen thousand and then nineteen thousand when you know during games when it's like all in the round um whereas the theater holds like five thousand or something like that um and uh bill part is gonna be like i told him uh, i was having this conversation with my fiance also like how they speak of the greats now um in terms of comedy when uh you know george carlin which is my favorite or uh prior and uh chris rock and louis ck and like all the the greats greats of comedy like like arguably you know top five you know just shuffle the order around but it's those um bill burr is up there and is going to be like uh you know in the years to come he's gonna be he's gonna solidify that like without a doubt and um many say that he's there already um but he's definitely gonna be um if not already 100 percent will be and he's like one of those and it was just a fucking awesome night with my uh fiance who also uh really likes bill burr we've seen all his specials and i listened to his monday morning podcast which i recommend um which is uh th- my podcast actually is kind of like uh somewhat modeled after his in the sense of he just goes off the dome and it's just him talking and it is um like he very 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 rarely does interviews so like in that sense my podcast is similar to his and um but his podcast is fucking amazing and mine is dog shit compared to it but um it does have that similarity he's super hilarious and it was in like a really memorable um really cool time um and i'm really glad that i got to see him um just like anybody now that that could say oh i saw you know bill cosby when you know bill cosby had a bill cosby and wasn't a fucking serial rapist um or i saw carlin live and stuff like that you know i could say i saw bill burr live and that's really fucking cool really happy about that um I was gonna say he had Joe Verzi, uh, which was which was really funny, and uh, I'm sorry, Paul Verzi, which is really funny. Sorry about that. I hadn't seen his, his uh, any of his his stuff before, and I know he has a, a podcast as well, which I hadn't haven't heard. But it's called the the Verzi Effect, if I'm not mistaken. And he had um, also uh, featuring or middling from uh, was Joe DeRosa. He was fucking funny he was super funny and uh, i really enjoyed him a lot uh, actually he did like this impression of burr which fucking killed it like he sounded just like him and um and like he was like bill burr called him to to say hey paul want to do uh msg with me and uh you know he just fucking spot on um um imitation of him and was super hilarious and then there were these, what I now know, because I heard the podcast and supposedly they weren't hecklers, but there was this uh, group of people that when Verzi was up and when also when um, when Joe DeRosa went up, um, they were like, it seemed like they were heckling, like they were like booing 
and like and like being loud and shit and like Virgie said something to them and and Joe DeRosa too what Joe DeRosa said was hilarious he was like he was like yo motherfuckers this is in the Green Day concert fucking yelling out for fucking songs that you want and shit shut the fuck up sorry you know I'm sorry for trying to fucking enjoy the one of the greatest moments of my life playing at fucking Madison Square Garden <laughs> And it was just like really funny, but it turns out supposedly that like the audio was fucked up in like that that area of the stadium, so they couldn't hear it. So they were like making noise about that, like that they couldn't hear the fucking axe, which sucks for them. Um, but I heard it, so I'm straight. And uh, it was an amazing time. It was really cool. So let me read because we're almost at a fucking hour already. Let me read to you guys the two passages. Uh, from the Tao Te Ching, Tao Te Ching, and it's number 33 and number 44. Give me one second. Let's grab the book. Uh, the book in my bag, and let me see. What am I up to, by the way? I'm up to number 53 or 54. This is passage 33, which I really liked. It's a short one. Excuse me. All right. Clearing my zombie voice there. All right. Number 33 says, Knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. If you realize that you have enough, you are truly rich. If you stay in the center and embrace death with your whole heart, you will endure forever. I thought that was dope. And that was number 33 of the Tao Te Ching. And number 44, which I also want to share with you guys. Uh, before I don't know why. I'm like, how am I going to follow the fucking Tao Te Ching? <laughs> I'm fucking reading Tao Te Ching before I read a couple of my free writing fucking pseudo, pseudo philosophical fucking free writing and shit yeah fucking smart move on my part um number 44 from the Tao Te Ching Tao Te Ching is fame or integrity which is more important money or happiness which is more valuable success or failure which is more destructive if you look to others for fulfillment you will never truly be fulfilled if your happiness depends on money, you will never be happy with yourself. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. That one was really dope as well. And I hope you guys enjoyed those too. Because what you're about to hear, you're really not going to enjoy uh, let me stop beating myself up, right? If I didn't think they were... Well, if I didn't like them, I wouldn't fucking read them. Because there's a shitload that I haven't read uh, to you guys. But uh, here are a couple of my free writing pieces. And then we're going to follow that up with the questionnaire uh, that was filled out uh, that I'll get to. And let's begin with... Uh, there's a post from November 13th, uh, 2015. Uh, that's when I posted it on the actual website. 
and it was actually ran back in like 2013. This one is a short one. The title of it is Wanting Verse Doing. So let's read it and reflect on it a little bit. Wanting Verse Doing. And again, if you guys want to follow along, this is at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. And again, the post is, it was posted on the blog on November 13th, 2015. And the title is Wanting Verse Doing. I wrote... What is the difference between wanting to do and actually doing? What is the catalyst that sparks change? Where exactly is that switch and how can we switch it? I guess it varies from person to person and is definitely situational. But what's the quote rule of thumb? Unquote. Is there even one? I strongly believe that What is wanted and envisioned can be cultivated and almost all scenarios share the ingredient of hard work. But how frustrating is it to actually get on the path towards it? Could doing this be it? And that's it. That was a short one. I wrote that on Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, July 24th, 2013 at 1.30 a.m., which is probably why it's so short, because I was probably tired at that time. And I guess, or uh, what I think I mean by it, and at least my interpretation of it right now, is, like I always say there at the end, there's an ingredient of hard work. Like I always say that, you know, always work hard for what you want. Hard work, hard work, hard work. I think that's really the key to fucking everything. Um... Uh, But how frustrating is it to actually get on the path towards it? And could doing this be it? By that part, I know what I meant by that part. And it's a question that I kind of, not answered, but I kind of uh, feel that I know the answer to. And it's could doing this be it? Meaning could doing this, doing what I was doing at that point in time on July 24, 2013 at 1.30 in the morning, which was just writing. um, Could doing this be it? Because uh, within the realm of my like interest, if you will, which is to be uh, what I would deem a credible writer, um, so I'm speaking within that that context uh, when I when I wrote this, and I'm asking, could doing this be it? And I really think it is. I really think it's frustrating to to think that there is a set path to doing. Um, certain things to following certain passions but i don't think that there are i don't think that everything has a defined path and and way to accomplish it and get to it you know if you want to be a lawyer go to law school and take the bar yeah there's certain things that are that are black and white like that but for other things that are a a bit more nuanced and 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 um don't really have defined uh, steps, um, they can be approached literally from any direction, any which way, um, including, you know, writing, you could stumble upon writing when you're fucking 70 years old, you could, you know, do, uh, pull a Stephen Pressfield and, and, you know, write books and screenplays and nothing ever gets picked up until The Legend of Bagger Vance and that blows the fuck up and becomes a movie when you're like 40 something or 50 years old. Um, and then write shit like Stephen Pressfield also wrote the, the war of art, which I, uh, tribute to like changing my life. 
um, a very influential book. And um, so Stephen Press really have an open invitation to be on the Spun Today podcast. If you ever uh, would like to be, hit me up at Spun Today on Twitter. Um, and um, or you can uh, have, uh, you know, blow up as a writer like, a, uh, I forget his name, Justin something, Justin... fuck he was on rogan's podcast he was i read the book my brother also put me out to that book my bro, brother put me out to a bunch of shit man thanks bro um i think the book was i'm confusing him with juno diaz right now because it's not this is how you lose her but it was oh shit my dad says and then he wrote another book about a chick um but shit my dad says was a book that he wrote and he's like 20 something he wrote it and he literally like just started a twitter and he started writing out shit on twitter of shit that his dad says and then he got approached to like make a book based on all that all those tweets and you know just formulate them in a cohesive you know book fashion and he blew up that way so you know what i mean there's like no set path to to like this shit or any, any like artistic like endeavor like that and that question at the end is like, could doing this be it? And I really think it is. I really think not that I'm anywhere near where I want to be within, uh, the, the field of writing. Like I'm not, I don't feel like uh, accomplished. I don't think you should ever feel accomplished with, um, like passions or anything like that. But you know, why have I done a fucking podcast and a website, but I'm, you know, but I did do a podcast and a website, you know what I mean? I've been doing a podcast for a year. The website has been on for the same amount of time as well and it's a hobby and a passion that i have that i enjoy and that i look forward to do and you know back in 2013 like it didn't exist um it was just notebooks and paper and then so the answer to that question if i had to look back and answer it to myself you know could doing this be it the answer would be yes because like this has set me in a path to then create you know every other piece of writing that i've done in the two years, two plus years after that, and, you know, short stories, which didn't exist at that point in time, and a shitload of other free writing pieces, and the website, and the podcast, and uh, stuff like that, which isn't, you know, quote-unquote success, or anything like that, you know, I don't have any, like, delusions of grandeur, or anything like that, but on a certain personal level, it is a uh, definite win, and yeah, that's pretty much it, that's how I feel about that one. Went off on a little rant there. And the next and last one that I'm going to read is also from November 13, 2015. And the title of it is Don't Miss Out on a Better You. And I wrote this one a little bit longer. What changes you? Are all... Are... Blech. Let me start that one over. Don't miss out on a better you. What changes you? Are all aspect are blah, are all parts and aspects of you susceptible to change, or is there a core unalterable you? That sounds more like it to me. The best of both worlds. I always want both, right? Fuck, <laughs> fucking greedy. Um, that sounds more like it to me. The best of both worlds. You have what makes you uniquely you and you also have an absorbent ability to accept additional knowledge and change accordingly what causes these changes not as in what events cause this 
but as in what within you evokes this green light effect in which you allow certain events or experiences to affect you in some way, shape, or form. What within you allows a book to have such a profound connection that it opens up your eyes to never before considered angles and interpretations? What allows the conversation of a podcast to expand your mind? What allows unskewed data from a recent news article to aid in the shaping a political opinion? It's all a question of what do you let in to truly analyze and objectively tackle. It all boils down to a choice. Make yourself open enough not to miss out on a better you. And I wrote that on Sunday, July 21st, 2013 at 11.51 p.m. And I think it's, this is a shitload of questions in here, so I'm not going to answer all of them. Um, a lot of were rhetorical, obviously, but they're, I don't know, like interesting points uh, that I want to pull out here. What causes these changes? So yeah, it's like, what within you, like, what is that, like, mood or, or, like filter within you that sometimes allows you know you know that feeling that you get like when you hear a certain song that just fucking fuses you with inspiration and and makes you want to go like write or work out or whatever it is that you're into that when you hear it you just fucking feel like a mo- fucking makes you want to cry sometimes make you cry makes you fucking laugh and happy and like appreciate life and appreciate shit and uh, you know, songs do that, movies do that, um, quotes do that, videos do that, podcasts do that to me all the fucking time. Um, uh, books, like I mentioned before, uh, The War of Art, life-changing, like things like that. What within you allows, because certain things like that don't always just like force themselves upon you. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, you're not open like you're always not open to anything and then it comes in and it breaks down all your barriers and walls and shit like that instantly and and changes you um there's certain things that that you kind of sort of like have to be open for like open open to and you know things catch like in different moments and in different moods and i guess that's what it is you know different moods that you're in or happen to be in and kind of like kind of like opportunity like we were speaking about in the beginning of the of the show how certain circumstances and opportunities line up in like just the right way for for things to happen the way that they do i guess it holds true within this sense you know sometimes you in the perfect mood to read the perfect quote that that puts you in the perfect mind frame to go write the you know best short story that you've ever written or something like that and that's i don't know that 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 relationship there just i find fascinating and interesting and and curious i'm curious about it um and the main takeaway i guess here would be uh pointing out that you you and me and like everybody has a choice 
to kind of not put up the walls that that keep these inputs out you know like it's important to i think weed out the bullshit and and you know cut off negativity and and stuff like that but be open to to all these inputs that could help mold and shape your 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 beliefs like not not being too like rigid and set in your ways that you won't accept the possibility of something being being helpful or better for you and i think that's really important um it's really important to to look at things from a lot of different angles and not be like i like eminem so since he didn't like everlast back in the day i can't listen to any everlast songs you know what i mean like fucking everlast has a fucking dope acoustic album that that i like as well um uh, and that's like on a very very fucking trivial level in terms of like taste and music but um uh on a bigger sense and in more more like i guess personal sense in life in in your human development and growing as a person don't be don't be too quick to to shut experiences down that should be had and that you should go through that will ultimately help mold you and build you up in into a a more well-rounded more more colorful more layered version of you and that is all folks uh, regarding my two free writing pieces, there's a shitload more on the website. Uh, you guys can check them out always at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing or check into any of these uh, free writing podcast episodes where I do what I just did, which is read a couple pieces and reflect on them. Um, it's older pieces, sometimes newer pieces, more recent, more recently written. And, um, a lot of them are uh, sometimes free writing pieces that are written based off of certain quotes or movies and stuff like that. And, and I detail all that. Um, you guys can find that easily uh, within that section and distinguish what's what. Now, to round off the show, we have uh, a listener. Uh, I want to say a listener. I'm not sure if, if you're a listener, Krista. Um but I know we connected on Twitter and um, she filled out the sponsored questionnaire, which again is open for any and everyone to fill out. And the way it works is go to sponsored.com forward slash questionnaire and you can fill out uh, five questions, which is meant to basically inspire others and as well as myself in just finding out how people do whatever it is that they do, whatever it is that they're into, whatever they're, it is that they're creatively into, whether it be, uh, you know, writing or, or comedy or, or acting, whatever it is that you're into on a, on a creative tip, fucking making pencils out of tree bark and lead, you know, whatever it is that you like, whatever, you, whatever, whatever it is, I think there, there's, you can take 
greatness and passion from any from anything and apply it to whatever you're passionate about and want to be great at um and i think um these five questions that i put together there on the questionnaire are are pretty open-ended question and and i get um helpful stuff from them and i find certain things helpful and funny and interesting and other people um can and do as well so we have and of course you have the option to to remain anonymous um where i will read your response on your responses on the podcast and uh, i you know don't have to say who the hell you are or anything like that and it's um the the last drop down on the list of questions of the five questions uh this little box at the bottom right after that that says remain anonymous yes or no if you click no i'll tell people who you are if you click yes i'll keep it anonymous today's entry is from a young lady by the name of krista and she goes by twitter handle girl oxygen spelled same exact way as those two words are spelled uh girl g-i-r-l and oxygen O-X-Y-G-E-N. Krista, thanks in advance very much for filling this out. And let's go through it. Let's share what you uh, shared with us here. So question number one of the questionnaire is relating to your craft. Do you remember the first thing you ever wrote or created? Krista responded, I was a hairstylist for 18 years. That's a long time to like be doing a a specific thing that's that's love right there i was a hairstylist for 18 years but forced to retire due to being diagnosed with a rare fatal lung disease called pulmonary hypertension and that's really horrible and um sorry that you're dealing with that and she goes on to explain it's high blood pressure of the arteries inside the lungs and eventually leads to right heart failure. That was five years ago. I've always enjoyed taking photos with my phone, so I decided to invest in an icon. I haven't, that's an awesome camera, by the way. I'm not sure which one you have, uh, but icons are, you know, up there, like top two, or, you know, if not like the best, it's like top one, two, or three, like cameras like on like any list that you, that you look at. Um, so it's really cool. Um, she goes on here to say, I haven't felt well enough to really take it out, which sucks. And I hope that that's something that you can continue to, to work at. I'm not sure exactly how the pulmonary hypertension works. Um, and, you know, hopefully it is something that, that, you, I know you mentioned that it's a fatal lung disease, which is really sad. But I, like I said, I don't know much about it. I did see that there's a link on your Twitter page, and I began to read a little bit about it. Um, but I don't know much about it in the sense of if there's like ups and downs. Hopefully there is, um, and you are able to you know get out there and, and use your camera and take some pictures. Um, but she goes on to say, and it's really cool. Uh, she goes on to say, my sister has a BFA in graphic design, but decided to go back to earn her teaching certificate. 
now she's an art teacher. What better person could help me with painting? Uh, which is cool. That'd be awesome, right? To keep it like within the family. Your sister becomes a teacher. You want to learn painting. She becomes an art teacher. Sounds perfect. Um, she goes on to say, we didn't get to paint to paint together. So I started watching the Art Sphera. No, I'm sorry. The Art Sherpa. Completely butchered that. <laughs> the Art Sherpa videos on YouTube. I've been painting in and off. I'm sorry, on and off since April of this year. I've painted and this year for any listeners in the future is 2015. From April of this year. I've painted over 50 canvases since April. April, so you got April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Not even three, because uh, Chris, if I'm not mistaken, you filled this out, when was it? Like the beginning of November, right? So August. So in seven months, you did 50 canvases. That's awesome. That's fucking really prolific. That's really cool. And I've even sold some. So on top of putting your all into it you're actually fucking good at what you do so it's really super cool that's so rewarding my first painting was a whimsical tree i paint with acrylics but i'm dabbling in watercolors and that's uh chris's answer to question number one which is so fucking awesome and really inspiring to hear something like that and i know a lot of other people are going to be inspired by the same and I love that aspect of, of, you know, dealing with something so, with a disease that's fatal in this specific case and having the gumption to, to follow up your passion still, which is so like admirable and, and really awesome. And not only follow your passion because you have a passion for something and then even if you were like it kind of knocked you down and you you know you weren't able to go out and take pictures with the camera that you invested in um but you took that passion and you channeled it into something else and you still allow just that raw passion to fucking pour out of you and like come out and i'm sure i I would love to see some of your uh like paintings and stuff like that um i checked to see on your on your Twitter Twitter page, if there's a like a link to the paintings or anything like that, and I didn't find that. I just found the the link to the pulmonary hypertension uh, website. Which, if anybody wants to know again more about the disease and stuff like that, um, check it out on there. Uh, again, uh, Krista, it's uh, Girl Oxygen. It's her Twitter handle. She has a link right there on her profile. Um, but I would definitely, definitely love for you to like tweet me a link or DM me a link or something like that. Um, if you have any of your paintings anywhere, um, if you don't, I would recommend crated.com, C-R-A-T-E-D.com. It's actually a website that I partnered with. It's like free to like partner up with them. Um, and you can like put up your stuff there. Uh, and I put like the photography that I take, I put on there and people can like purchase prints, like posters and canvases and stuff like that of like actual photography. Um, but I'm pretty sure you can sell all types of art like through there. I'm not positive, um, but check it out. It's, it's worth checking out. Like I said, it for in terms of photography, it was free. Um, they just take a cut um, when anybody purchases any like posters or prints or or anything like that. So check it out again. It's called Created C R A T E D dot com. 
and but again if you have like your stuff on any other website or or pictures of it or anything like that like i would definitely love to see it it sounds really awesome and that's fucking i wish in seven months i could sit down and and create 50 of anything (laughs) and that's really that's really uh inspirational and just lit a fire under my ass to fucking go do some writing so thank you (laughs) question number two is what inspires you to write or create and krista responds honestly i paint because it's great therapy when you're too sick to leave the house uh, because of a chronic illness and definitely i agree with that in terms of like passions and stuff that you're into being completely therapeutic and cathartic and i'm glad it's having that that positive effect on you Question number three, what is a hobby that you have that is unrelated to your craft? And Krista responded, I love TV, probably too much. And you remind me of my fiance, who I'm sure completely shares in your sentiment for television. Uh, She continues to say, I love comedies, things about monsters. And so I'm guessing you like The Walking Dead. my little uh zombie sounds and the history channel Mm. i wanted to make a point when i read this uh before to put you on to if uh krista and anybody else who's listening also if you don't know already um uh you're gonna love me after this if uh you're into history and especially like the history channel like that narrated style of 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 history Check out a podcast called Hardcore History. It's with Dan Carlin. It's a, a podcast that's always like in top 10 in iTunes like all the time. And it's super dope. If you have any inkling whatsoever to towards history, like even if you like it a little bit, he will make you love history. And if you love history, it, he'll fucking uh, blow your mind. He'll, he'll blow your the top off your head like those fucking Jet.com commercials that they're giving out um it's really dope definitely check it out it's a podcast called hardcore history it's with dan carlin and the work and passion like he he's he's a fucking like awesome he's fucking awesome he's like a a gem a fucking uh what's the word i'm looking for he's a uh a treasure um the like podcast episodes and what i love about podcasts you know you could pause them pick them up and put them down whenever you want they are literally i think like four hours long and he'll go so deep into the history of a specific topic that it would be like three four five episodes long so you're talking like 20 to 24 25 hours worth of content on a specific historical topic and the passion and work that he puts into each and every episode completely comes out, completely shines through, completely goes, comes out like through his microphone, out of the earbuds and into your ears. Like it's really, really dope. Couldn't recommend it enough. So if you like history, definitely check him out. Again, it's Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Um, and we're up to question number four which is how do you get yourself to sit down and do your work when you're not motivated to? 
And Chris's response is, I don't really have to work. So that's probably why it's so easy to sit down with it. Ha ha. And that's awesome. When, you know, it's like that saying, and when you do something that you love, you never work a day in your life. And that's really awesome that you found that. And I'm glad that you are uh, like so invested in that. And that's something that you hear a lot with people that, that like fall in love with what they do, which is really cool and a place I definitely want to be in. I think, you know, the only place actually that it's not completely like across the board, I would say, is within writing. Because there's like a through a through line within that's common within uh, or with writers rather that you just fucking hate to sit down and do the work like you fucking hate it. You hate to, to have to actually write and do it but you love to have written and that's like a famous quote or whatever i hate to write but i love to have written and some people actually like the process like me i've like so there's two sides to it i guess like people that just completely hate putting in the work to do it um to write and then there's where i fall which is i hate the part of getting myself to do it you know kind of like getting up and going to the gym like i hate like sitting down and saying, okay, now I got to write. But once I start, like literally once the pen touches the paper, it's like, it's completely awesome. And like cathartic and therapeutic and all that like comes, um, uh, comes out like literally instantly each and every time. And, um, especially when you get into like a flow state and ideas and, 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 and thoughts are just, just rolling around in your head and you you pouring out of you. And then afterwards, when you have something, you know, whether it's a free writing piece or when you when you finish writing the first draft of a short story or or anything else that you're working on, like having that body of work in front of you, whether, you know, no matter how like good or bad uh, you may think it is, it's it's like a like you're kind of proud of it. Like it's a, like a proud moment, like something that you reflect on. It's like, oh, shit, I just fucking like made that. I created that like it didn't ex- exist before. And now it does. And I just made that happen. And that's that's really cool to, like, birth something into existence like that. Um, so definitely kudos to you on that, on um, um, loving what you do and not feeling like it's work at all. And the last question that Krista has, uh, that Krista answered, is do you have any advice for other writers or creators whether they're new seasoned or otherwise and krista says don't ever say i can't do that until after you've actually tried it you may surprise yourself i didn't think i could paint and i painted six darth vaders that's dope in one day plus some other commissioned star wars pieces that was after only painting for two months and well miss lady you have definitely definitely talented and again i want to see like i could like you're talented just based on the stuff they're telling us here um painting for two months and and selling darth vader's and you know just selling any paintings and and it sounds so dope and you're really prolific and it's really inspiring and I wish you all the best and, and uh, continued health and success in what you do. And um, thank you very much for taking the time to 
share your story with us and share, share, just share in general. Continue painting, continue loving what you do, and definitely hit me up on on Twitter. Like I said, um, sh- uh, you know, tweet it at me uh, like a link with your your paintings and stuff like that, and I'll definitely retweet it. And guys, anybody listening, if you guys want to check it out uh, or check out Krista, uh, you can reach out to her on Twitter. And again, her handle is at Girl Oxygen G I R L. O-X-Y-G-E-N. And that's it, folks. That's the episode. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with all the outro stuff. You guys know where to reach me. If you want to reach me, spuntray.com has all of the information that I would normally tell you at this point of the episode, from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook to YouTube to the newsletter to supporting the podcast. Uh, one thing I would say to support the podcast, rate and review, bitches. Rate and review the podcast on instagram on instagram on um itunes and or stitcher and also on pocket casts which you can listen to the podcast on there as well uh join in some conversation comments on some of the free writing posts or or and stuff like that and whatever thank you very much for listening guys really appreciate it as always as usual substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thank you very much for listening.